Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. You have a purpose. Okay. See you later. (laughs) And the purpose is based on the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. I love that little video because it was filled with Scripture. And in this Scripture, in the B-I-B-L-E, we find that we have a purpose Just think about this. If we didn't have the scriptures, we wouldn't know about the law of God that would lead us to understand we can't fulfill the law by ourselves, that we need a Savior because we're sinners. And if we didn't have the B-I-B-L-E, we wouldn't know that Christ died for us, born of a virgin, lived a perfect and pure life, and that Christ would die and rise again from the dead and that we could be saved by faith in him that we could confess him as Lord and Savior, died and rose again, and we could believe in our heart that he is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. And just by that belief, we would be saved. It's an amazing love story. It's God's book to us. That's why I love it. That's why I want to use lots of scriptures today, and they're all listed back on the back of your little handout today. And they'll remind you that we have a purpose Have you ever said, Lord, I can't do this. Lord, I can't handle this. Have you you ever said, I can't to God? The seven last words of a dying church, and there are many in America who are on life support right now. We pray for them. But the seven last words of a dying church is we, we've not done it that way before. They're not only saved, sanctified, but they're galvanized and petrified. I consulted with a church not far from here many years ago, and I asked them as we looked at a whiteboard, I said, this is the date today, little black dot, and I wrote the date said, this is five years, this is 10 years, this is 15, this is 20 years. I said, who's here at the end of this timeline? Well, the board members were all in their upper 70s, a couple of them in their 80s. And most of them said, we won't be here. I said, then you can't plan a church on today. You need to plan a church thinking about tomorrow. What are you going to be like? And I'll never forget what one of the elders told me. We will not change because we need to preserve what we've always been. Hmm. Now, maybe you've said that before. I, I will not change. I want to preserve who I've always been. Or maybe you've said this when God has spoken to you, but I, but I. But I would join a small group, but I'm an introvert. I think about giving my, fa- my finances and tithing to the church, but, but I'm too worried that I can't make ends meet. I consider serving our kids and our youth, but I don't think I have what it takes. I know I should eat tofu, kale, and ground turkey, but I love butter, bacon, and babacoo. I know I should get up in the morning and read my B-I-B-L-E and do my devotions 
but my weariness, but my weariness stops me. I know I should tell my friends, my neighbors, my classmates about my faith, but I might get pushed back and I might lose a few friends in the process. And sometimes when we hear the call of God, a whisper, or we read the word and it speaks from there to here and then to now, or we see something even like building homes for Ukrainians so they don't die in the winter. And maybe something like pulls on our heartstring and then we say, but I, and you fill in the blank, but I is a very human response and it's in the Bible over and over again. Moses called, was called by God to deliver the children of Israel. And God says, I want you to go and confront Pharaoh, Exodus 4.10. God says, Moses, you go. And what's the next thing? But, but I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. God comes to Gideon and says, I want you to deliver my people from the Midianites. And Gideon says, but I am the least in my family. And God speaks to a woman named Esther and says, go deliver the people from a horrible, homicidal king. And Esther 4.11, Esther is told, go and save my people, but, 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 but I have not been called to the king for over 30 days. God calls Abraham, and Abraham says, uh, uh, I'm too old. But you're going to be the father of many nations. And then Abraham tells God, have you seen Sarah lately? She ain't the fox she used to be. And gravity has taken its toll. We won't go there. And Jesus tells Peter, Peter, throw your nets on the other side of the lake and you'll catch fish. And Peter says, Jesus, we're tired, but I'm too tired to do it. We've seen them, haven't we? The eyes, but I, but I, but I, but I, but I believe I can't overcome. I believe our family can't get put back together. I believe that relationship that's been severed cannot be healed. I believe, I believe I can't stop being in control. I believe I can't serve God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I believe I can't get over this anxiety. I'll never get over this addiction or this insecurity. I'm too old to make a contribution. And we sing that old song, if if I'm not dead, you're not done. As long as we have breath, God wants to use us. Come on. But I, but I is a bunch of insecurities, limitations we place on ourselves. But more than that, limitations we place on the God of the word. If God calls us, he enables us. Where God guides, he provides. Now, those are nice little preaching cliches. But when the tough gets going and the going gets tough, we can say, wait a minute, I, I, I can't do this. You could write this down, that insecurities can hold us back from stepping into the assignments that God calls us to. God is our security, folks. It's not me. It's not you. It's not our world. Excuse me. It's not our government. Our confidence is in God alone. Our confidence is in his word. Our confidence is in the power of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, excuse me for repeating a story that I've told many times, but when I was writing this sermon, I couldn't get away from this story. His name was Timmy. He was up at Village Hills Little League in the minor division, and he came up to the 
batter's box and a crackly speaker that said, now batting, Timmy. Now, Timmy's shoes were a little bit big. They weren't tied correctly. His pants were baggy. The bat was way too big for little Timmy, and he had a batting helmet on, and it had that, that come-around little protective. It almost covered half his face. And Timmy gets in the batter's box, and his grandma, oh, loud and proud, you got this, Timmy! You got there. Her camera was out, video. Mama's over there. They're high-fiving each other. You got this, Timmy. And I'm thinking in my soul, Timmy got nothing. So much so that as they were screaming and yelling, shriek one, said the umpire, Timmy. Grandma and mom started yelling again, Timmy, you got this. Oh, you got this. You got this, my soul. You got nothing, Timmy. And Timmy looked with disgust at his mom and grandma, two generations of loud and proud. He looks back at them in the stands as if to say, shh, please, leave me alone here. And as he looks back, you'll never guess what happened. Strike two, said the umpire. He wasn't even looking. And the third one, go, Timmy, go. You got this. Timmy swang. I mean, it was a beautiful swing. The problem was the ball was already in the catcher's mitt. Timmy. Timmy walked over to the dugout, put his bat down. And one of his friends, what a really good, encouraging friend, said, next time, Timmy, you got this. And I thought I heard Timmy say, I got nothing. I got nothing. Now, we want to affirm Timmy, don't we? I mean, we want to be there and cheer him up. We want him to believe in himself, right? But you know what? Sometimes I get tired of people saying, you got this, Pastor B, you got this. You, you. Listen, I got nothing. Oh, wait a minute. Let me rephrase. I got God, and God's got me. Therefore, we got this. You with me? You can't parent in this world by yourself. I'll be a parent. I got it. You got nothing, parents. Grandparents, you got nothing. Church, you got nothing. But if you are in God, in God, in Theos, and he's in you, and the Holy Spirit dwells in you like the Apostle Paul's prayer, guess what? You got this. LFC, you got this. The future, you got this. Why? Because God's got you. The best thing to do is surrender your life to God and stop saying ever, but I, but I, but I. So Paul is speaking. If you have a Bible, you can go to 1 Corinthians. We're going to look a little bit there for a minute. I'm glad this is second service so I can take more time. Paul's speaking to the church at Corinth, a small band of followers of Jesus. A lot of them were slaves, and they were pretty low on the social economic, social, educational totem pole. It was actually an ancient advice to public speakers and those who tried to be leaders to speak words of affirmation to people and tickle their ears so you could draw a crowd in. Speak beyond who they really were and beyond their reality and stand up as a speaker and say, you got this. <laughs> Remind them they're influential and powerful and well-educated, even though the truth is they were not. So thinking of that, how do you think the Corinthians felt when they started to read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 
verse 26. Paul says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Hmm. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. Paul invites them to focus on their inadequacies. Isn't that interesting? Kind of sounds counterculture. You got this, Timmy. No, focus on your inadequacy, Timmy, and get in the batter's box. Start learning how to hold the bat. Start, start, start working on your, your batting. Now, you fill in the blank. What is that for you? But catch this implication. Paul is not saying you don't have it, so think small. You don't have it, stop believing. What Paul is saying is that God is up to something in this world that no one could have expected. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And no matter the cost, no matter who gets the credit, you're to serve the Lord without any kind of personal boast. It's not because I'm great. It's not because you're great. It's because God is great. And we've decided to come under his lordship, his leadership. We've decided to surrender ourselves to him. God is up to something at LFC because he's been up to something since the late 30s here. Before there was Fetterman, before there was Macintosh, before there was most of you, God was up to something in this town. And a guy by the name of Al Ware, the flying evangelist, came to town on his airplane. He would go from city to city across the country, and he would fly his airplane and invite people to come and hear the gospel. This church was actually started where Toyota of Lompoc is now. There was a barn. It was a livery stable. People used to actually ride horses. Before there were e-cars, people had horses. They ate hay and made a mess. And so this man, who was very creative, decided that he would fill the barn with bales of hay at night, and he would bring a busload of young people from Santa Barbara up, because Lompoc's populace was very small, and he would get a bus and go out to Camp Cook, which is now Vandenberg, and he would bring in our military, he would bring in young people, and they would have barbecue. That's why LFC's DNA is we have food here. <laughs> and we have our own cafe. You're wondering where that came from. We're just aligning with our history. God is up to something in the lives of people who are willing to be surrendered to God. And the future of this church doesn't hinge on its past, though its past is pretty amazing. The future of this church hinges on Jesus Christ and his lordship. It hinges on the truth of the scripture. It hinges on the power of the Holy Spirit. It hinges on a loving father. It hinges on whoever will may come. It hinges on the touch of all people and generations. It hinges on serving outside the walls of the church and even, as you heard this morning, around the world. God has been faithful to us, and he's up to something in the lives of people who are willing to be surrendered to God. It should no longer be but I, and it should be but God. But God. And I want to tell you this, if you've ever said to God, but, 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 that God is bigger than your butt. 
I'm just leaving that out there. For you in the house and those online, I'm just leaving it out there. 1 Corinthians 1.27, the apostle Paul had just told them, you don't have what it takes, but God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise, but chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. And God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. Come on, amen. Amen. Who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, it is written, let the one who boasts only boast in the Lord. And I can tell you since I was 14 years of age and I gave my life to Christ, I was young, good looking. If God has used me for anything that is good, it's because he is good. And if anything didn't work out right, it's because of Debbie. I'm teasing. I asked her permission. She said, say whatever you want. What a good God he's been to me. What is my boast? It's in the Lord. I don't deserve to be saved. I don't deserve his mercy. I don't deserve to serve him. I wouldn't even be worthy to tie his sandals. But God, note them in the Bible. I'll give you an assignment, a homework assignment. Look at all the but gods in the Bible. You'll be amazed. Look up different versions like I've done today. And you will see, even at the cross, on the way to the cross, the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus even says, not my will, but yours, but yours be done, God. I surrender myself to you and who you are. You see, the cross of Jesus is not a sign of Jesus in trouble. The cross of Jesus is a sign of God saying, I want to redeem the world that can only be redeemed by salvation and only be redeemed by my Son, Ephesians 2, 4, but God, rich in mercy, because of his great love, which he has loved us, but God. Anybody glad about that? Yeah. And then we know the story of Joseph. Many of you went to Sunday school or VBS or you read your Bible. Joseph tells his brothers who sold him into slavery, Genesis 50, verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And the psalmist cries out in the midst of a difficult season in Psalm 73, 26, my flesh and my heart may fail, but, but. God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Somebody here needs this today, that verse. That's for you. Maybe your strength is weak. Maybe it's, it's, your tank is low. I'm just curious. Anybody be bold enough to say, that, that's me? I'm a little tired. I'm a little weary. I'm a little sad. I'm not feeling my best. Come on, I don't know how I'm going to make it tomorrow. This is your verse of promise from the B-I-B-L-E. But God is the strength of your heart and your portion forever. And wherever you look for answers and hope, make sure you're looking in the face of God. Jesus said in Matthew 19, 26, I I love this one. Let's read it together. And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. 
Not but I, but, but God. And with God, all things are possible. God gets the last word, folks. Not you, not me. Not someone else. God gets the last word. Yeah, but you don't know my story. Well, you don't know my God. My God is a miracle-working God. I think of some people in this room. You think of people that, that had addictions who believed, but I, but I, but I, but I, but I. And God met them. They met God. And God turned their lives around. I know people that were on their way to divorce court. I mean, seriously, on their way to divorce court. And out of their care for me and their love for me, they said, we'll sit with you one time. And I, you, you want to know how hard I pray when I know they're on their way in? I mean, I'm praying, God, God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of B-I-B-L-E. And I, I'm praying fervently. This is the one shot. And we've seen God do miracles and turn them around. I've seen kids who ran away from home come back like the prodigal who come back. Why? Because with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And sometimes, like in Corinth, it was all about title. You know, I'm doctor such and such. I'm master's degree such and such. I, I, I'm this, I'm that. I'm, 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 the, I'm the council member. I'm the mayor. I'm the county supervisor. Look, I'm the general. I'm the colonel. I'm the light colonel. I'm the master sergeant. I'm, I'm, I'm the captain of the... I love what we find in 1 Samuel 16, 7. People look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Now, go for titles, everybody. But if you're really going to go in life, don't go for a title. Go for a testimony because you'll have more to say then in that. And even if you don't know the details of your calling quite yet, allow God to change your life. Allow God to call you. And stop doubting yourself when yourself is in God. Don't say, I got this. Say, he has me. Therefore, we got this. Now, Paul the Apostle, we know him. Uh, incredible leader, Christian. And we know that he also had a thorn in the flesh. Can I tell you this honestly? Everyone who has a calling also has a thorn. Everyone. Every parent would say, I got a thorn. Actually, I got three kids. I got three thorns. No, 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 no. And the question is, when God calls us, will we say, but I, or will we say, but God? Look at 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in, in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. He wasn't afraid to talk about his weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. And Paul actually says, you can study it, that God gave him the thorn and then he says this, I believe God gave me this thorn so I would never get conceited. Remember, he's a Hebrew of Hebrews. He's the, the best, the elite of the elite, the tip top of the tip top. And he says, I believe God gave me that thorn so I would remain humble, so I could declare my weakness. But more than that, I could boast in his grace and his strength. Nothing will disqualify you from serving God. If God calls you, he will enable you. So when God called Debbie and I to LFC 36 years ago, we just turned 30. I mean, just turned 30. Wow. And I thought, what am I thinking? 
We had a great church we were pastoring, built a building, we got the church out of debt. It was a good, good run for eight years. But we both had a dream. We both had a dream. And I asked her, because we had a stirring in our heart, we both had this dream. So she's telling me the dream, and I said, stop, stop. Let me tell you the next part of your dream. And she goes, yes. Then I told her the next part of my dream. And then she said, let me, let me, let me finish the dream for you. It was crazy. Both of us had a dream while we're sleeping, same bed, same house, but we're both sawing logs, and we had this dream from God, and we were able to finish the dream of each other. And I remember us praying. We're praying for a verse that God would give us. Now, you have to understand, when we came here, we announced to our church we were leaving in three weeks. And all the people came running up. You don't want to go to the ghost town of the West. NBC Burbank, that's where we got our news from. Lompoc, California, the new ghost town of the West. Empty hotels. Falling economy. 86, Challenger disaster, folks. And the shuttle was here. And we're walking into the church, the old building that sat between the curbs out there, and people were saying, glad you're here, welcome, we're leaving, we're, we work for the shuttle, we're, 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 not, we're going to Titusville, we're not staying in the poke. I said, oh, dear God, can you stay another couple weeks? They said, no, we got to leave. I thought, wow, yeah. Four square friends called me and said, you're an idiot to go there to that town. But we heard differently. God was calling us, and we came. And we needed a verse, a life verse, a scripture that would guide us. Now, we picked, and we'll get to it in a minute, Jeremiah 29, 11. We picked it before it was a necklace, before it was a bumper sticker, uh, before it was, you know, common. Everybody had it. I mean, we picked it 36 years ago. And when I studied this, Jeremiah 29, 11, I went back to Jeremiah 1, 6, Jeremiah was called by God. Would you be a prophet for me? There it is again. But I do not know how to speak. I'm only a child. The guy that prophesies the verse, that's my life verse, started with a but I. <laughs> and then in Jeremiah 1.7, but God said to me, do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone and I send you and say whatever I command you. And that turned things around for Jeremiah. And then we go forward to the beautiful promise. But notice it started by a prophet who told God, you're nuts. You got the wrong guy, God. You want me to speak for you? You don't understand. I don't know how to do this. And you don't understand. You haven't checked my ID. I'm too young. Listen, never tell God he doesn't know what he's talking about. Never look at the scripture and say, you don't know what you were breathing into these words of men and women who wrote for us. Because every word that we have in here is God breathed. God, you don't know what you're talking about. Never tell him you don't know what you're talking about. Say, God, speak for your servants listening. God, have your way in me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, flow in me and through me. Fill me with your love and your life and your power. Give me your supernatural gifts. Allow the fruit of the Spirit to be a byproduct of your filling in my life. And Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you. Hmm. 
plans to give you hope and a future. And then you will call on me and come to pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. What a great promise. Now, excuse me for a moment, (laughs) because the prophet Jeremiah writes this while the children of Israel are in a 70-year captivity in Babylon. We don't want God to do a miracle at the end of the century. We want him to do a miracle by the end of the week. And they're stuck there. But the promise was still true. And some of you may be stuck in a season. Some of you may be not seeing what you want to see today. But don't you give up hope on the promise that God has a hope and a future for you. And if you seek him with all your heart, you you will find him. And you will know him. And he will fill you with a new confidence inside of his life. Jeremiah 29, 11 is, is not the basis of a prosperity theology that says we'll never have a problem. What Jeremiah 29, 11 is about is that if you have a problem or you have a season of a desert time or you have a difficulty, God will see you through and his purposes cannot be stopped. So we have to declare God have your way in me, have your way through me. I release my agenda. I release my control. It's hard to do because we were born grasping when we come out of the womb. And we, we scream and cry. And we want to be fed and changed. And we're very demanding when we're born. We haven't even had our first lesson yet or we haven't even had our first word spoken yet. But, oh, man, we want what we want when we want it. And if you don't get it, you cry all night. That's the way we were made. How about we live this way? God, have your way in me. Do what you want to do. I have an author that I love to read. He's a writer, a Dutch priest, Henry Nouwen. He became extremely close to God in the midst of the pain of his life, and he met Jesus in the midst of his own personal inadequacies. And one day he became fascinated with a group of people that were a trapeze family flying through the air with the greatest of ease. And so he followed this family, was actually invited to travel with them for a week. And they went from town to town in Germany. There were circuses that they were a part of. And he began to ask them the question, how do you fly like you fly? And the leader of the troop said these words, As a flyer, I must have complete trust in my catcher. As a flyer, the real star of the show is Joe. Joe is the one that catches me. Now, the public might cheer when I fly through the air with the greatest of ease, but the truth of the matter is, without Joe, I will land on the ground, or if there is a net, I'll end up in the net. Well, what do you do? How does it work, said Henry Nouwen. The secret is that the flyer does nothing and the catcher does everything. When I fly to Joe, I simply stretch out my arms and my hands and I wait for him to catch me. I trust Joe with my life. If I try to grab Joe's wrist, I could break his wrist and break my hand in the process and then neither one of us could be on the trapeze again. 
You do nothing? Yes. The worst thing I could try to do is catch the catcher. I must trust him with my life. Now we went on to say the words of the Bible flashed before him. We put our trust and our hope and our faith in God. We lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways we acknowledge our catcher, the God who will never leave us, the God who will never forsake us. And in the truest Greek sense of that phrase, it says this, that God will never let go or even loosen his grip. He's holding on to you. Let's stop saying, but I, and let's say, but God. Surrender your hearts to God. Surrender your family to God, your future to God. Surrender the church to God. And live by this. And some of you will know this. I can't. God can. I think I will let him. I can't. God can. I think I will let him. Why don't we say it? I can't. God can. I think I will let him. Would you bow your heads? I want to pray for you this morning. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you. But God, who demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, far away from God, Christ died for us. And I wonder as I pray this morning, if there's anybody in this room or online who would say, you know what? This is my day to let God catch me. This is my day to allow God to forgive me of my sins. This is my day to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and confess him as such. Because if you do, you could be saved. And so I'm going to ask, if that's you, would you raise your hand about as high as your face and give me a little wave? I want to see you. Yep, over here, over here. Yeah, you too, sir. Yes, ma'am, down here, yep. Over here, yeah, I see your wave. Thank you for your wave. Yeah. All I know about these hands is they're connected to hearts that want Jesus to be their Savior. And as a church, we welcome your decision. It's what this church is all about. I'm going to encourage you to pray these simple words. Jesus, I give you my life. Let's just say it together. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I believe you died. Let's say it. Jesus, I believe you died and that you rose again from the dead. Forgive me of my sins. I will follow you all the days of my life. Lord, for these who raise their hands, we celebrate their decision. And I wonder how many of you would say, I I need to trust God. I I know him as my savior, got it? But I need to trust God and let go. And I need to believe in the Lord. I need to stop saying, but I. I need to start saying, but God. Because God's going to use you like never before. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. 
please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.